everyone out there. How's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak. It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson. This is my podcast. This is my show. This is my program. This is the thing that I talk into for a while and you listen to. And for that, I am sincerely appreciative. If you have not done so already, could you please do me a favor and hit that follow button and or download episodes of ScreenSpeak wherever it is that you choose to get your podcasts at, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I'm not sure if this is on SoundCloud, but it could be. Uh, But either way, if you listen to podcasts and you like podcasts, how many times can I say podcast and a plug for podcast, 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 podcast? Okay, that was obnoxious. I think you get the point. ScreenSpeak? Follow, download episodes, plug, done, or self, self-promotional self plug, done. I think that's what that is. But we're done. On with the show. <clears throat> How's everybody doing? Is everybody doing okay? Are you doing fine? Are you ready for Easter? Do you care about Easter? Do you celebrate Easter? Do you do anything with Easter other than just eating chocolate and or... I don't know, watching movies about rabbits. I think there's a couple of those out there. Peter Rabbit. Isn't that a thing? Peter Rabbit 1, Peter Rabbit 2. I'm not really sure. I don't really tend to watch stuff like that. And generally speaking, people in Easter tend to break down to a couple of different groups. You have the people I mentioned, the bunny followers, as I call them. They just follow that rabbit. It's not the white rabbit. That's a different kind of rabbit. But they follow a rabbit and they just like to eat chocolate, find some Easter eggs, get together with family, and hey, if that's your thing, there's nothing wrong with that. I like doing that kind of stuff, and I like the chocolate that comes with Easter, so great. But then the other side of the of the aisle, haha, I don't know why that's, yeah, it's like, a, like why would these two groups be sitting across an aisle, or maybe, I, you know, the, it's like the thought the thought was was coming together on that, and then it just spiraled out, and I'm not editing this, so yeah, what, what, what are you going to do? We, we, we keep going. Life progresses, but <clears throat> what I was trying to say is on the other side of the coin, the other side of the aisle, the other side, half, whatever, uh, there are the religious folks, of course, that focus on the... Uh, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that is another thing that happens, of which it'll probably, probably, probably get talked about in this episode due to the nature of the movie Father Stew that I'm going to be talking about here in just a minute. But <clears throat> just getting some thoughts out of Easter out of my head. Why not, right? Uh, I guess in talking about those groups, I should answer where I fall on that. I would assume it's both because I do the Easter egg hunts. I like the candy. I like the rabbit stuff. That's all fine and good. But I also do go to church and I will likely be going this Sunday with my family and then having a meal afterwards and probably a mimosa or something like that. I was told where I'm going there might be a mimosa. And if you haven't had one of those, they're actually pretty good and uh, if I dare say so, refreshing. But this isn't a plug for mimosas or or Easter celebration and worship and all that. This is me talking about Father Stew, giving my thoughts on Father Stew, and uh, seeing where it goes from there. So that's what we're going to talk about. All right. So if anybody doesn't know what this movie's about, I guess I should give a little bit of background on that, shouldn't I? So Father Stew, it's a movie with Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, and Jackie Weaver. Oh, and Teresa Ruiz, I should say her name because she plays a good character in the movie. Uh, <clears throat> so this movie's called Father Stew. They all star in it, and it came out on April 13th, so uh, actually just a couple of days ago. I got to see it. When did I see it? I, I saw it on April 12th, so is that accurate? Is Google saying... April 13th, but I saw it on April 12th, so I don't know what happened there, but whatever. Excuse me. So, yes, I saw this movie on April 12th, and here is the story. So, here we go. When an injury ends his amateur boxing career, Stuart Long moves to Los Angeles to find money and fame. Stuart Long is played by Mark Wahlberg. While scraping by as a supermarket clerk, he meets Carmen, a Sunday school teacher, that's the one that Teresa Ruiz plays, who seems immune to his bad boy charm. 
determined to win her over, the longtime agnostic starts going to church to impress her. However, a motorcycle accident leaves him wondering if he can use his second chance to eventually help others, leading to a surprising realization that he's meant to be a Catholic priest in his life. And there you go. That's the story of Father Stu. So this is a true story. Uh, I like seeing movies about true stories, but what I found myself thinking about when I was going into this movie was just, am I going to buy into the movie overall since it is what I would classify as being a faith-based movie, meaning that it's a movie where a lot of the plot and themes are focused around spiritual faith, religious faith, that whole thing. And to be clear, I'm not saying that it's impossible for me to like a movie that's around faith. I'm a man of, of faith myself, so I have no problem watching those types of movies. But... It has been my experience in the past that a lot of faith-based movies can come off as either being, how do I say, really preachy, uh, a bit in your face with their messages, very sanitized, watered down because they're trying to be very um, in line with the teachings of the Bible and they're trying to promote a good message and be very family-oriented. And some of those things are fine, but for myself, I just find them very awkward sometimes, these movies, or they're just forced. Uh, they don't feel that authentic. They, they don't feel really that true to life, what really goes on in the world. That's what I find a lot of those faith-based movies fail to recognize. And so what I found intriguing uh, when going into this movie and you know just from the marketing the trailers for it it's a rated R faith-based movie, a faith-based movie for one, which is something you don't really see that often. And it has a pretty heavy-hitting talent in both Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. Those guys alone could lead their own movie, and both of them have successfully done so. So seeing their names attached gets me curious and gets me excited because I don't feel that both these actors just take on any project. Though you could argue right now that Mel Gibson's a little bit leaning into that territory since I think the last few uh, movies he's done, some of them have been on the lower budget side or only being released on a streaming service, that sort of thing. Uh, but who am I to judge for that? I, you know, Who knows? A paycheck's a paycheck. People got to make money. They can't just be doing these you know, passion projects whenever they want to. But <clears throat> I digress. So, faith-based movies have not always really worked for me that much. In fact, if I'm trying to think of one off the top that I really liked, um, I mean, I like Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, but that's not exactly a movie that you just casually pop in or watch because you want to feel good. In fact, that one's a real slog of a movie to get through, but that's the intention of that movie. Uh, But really, I can't think of many that I've really cared about that much in the past. So knowing that, um, going into this one, I was curious to see what I would think of it. And what I can successfully say that Father Stu does, for the most part, uh, because this, like any movie, is not a perfect movie, and I would say that Father Stu does have some problems in terms of its editing, Uh, Some of the writing glosses over certain details that I think would help the story. Um, It's just helped the story's weight a little bit more because I think there were some times where certain scenes that should have felt more emotional kind of fell flat because there just wasn't... um, There wasn't some context built around certain things so that when certain moments happen, you just wouldn't really be as invested as you would if the writing was just a little bit better. But what I can say overall regarding the writing, despite these imperfections and uh, bad editing uh, here and there, there is what I would refer to as an edge in the writing. There's swear words, the F-bomb gets dropped, uh, there's cursing here and there, and it, it fits for the tone of the movie. I never felt it to be jarring or out of place or too much. Uh, it felt appropriate to the story that was being told. And I can happily say that all the performances all the way around from Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, Jackie Weaver, uh, Teresa Ruiz, I think I said her name, and most of the rest of the supporting cast, including uh, Malcolm McDowell, 
they all give really good performances, I thought. Very solid. Uh, in particular, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. Uh, both of them had some really good scenes together, good chemistry, really good banter back and forth. And Mark Wahlberg has a very good, <clears throat> I mean, he has a lot of charisma. Let's face it, he's Mark Wahlberg. He wouldn't be in his position without having that charisma. It's part of a being uh, a movie star of his caliber. But he has a lot of charisma, and I really liked the way that he portrayed this character, Stuart. I, I liked how he, uh, and, and who knows if this is accurate to life, but this is just me commenting on his portrayal of this person in the movie. He had this childlike innocence about him. He would be very naive, almost stupid at times, but never, I guess you never, you never did not buy into why he would be like that. Like, I guess like I, it was believable for me the way he was where he's like, yeah, like I'm gonna, you know, be a boxer and well, that didn't work. Now I'm going to be an actor. Oh, and oh, now I'm going to be a priest. So he bounced around in his life, but it was always believable the way he did it. And you couldn't help but but like him uh, because he did ultimately have such a such a good heart and and good intentions and wanted to uh, eventually help people through his calling that he found of wanting to be a priest, which I am going to get into that. So <clears throat> the last thing I'll say in this impromptu review, I guess that I'm doing of Father Stu is that if, while it's an imperfect movie, uh, as I said, due to some choppy editing, um, tightening of the script that needed to be done, etc. Uh, I, I did find myself enjoying the movie. I, I'd probably give it, if I was get doing it from like, you know, uh, a grading scale, it'd be like C plus into B range. That's, that's what I would give this movie. I would, and I would probably actually buy it when it comes out, just for the simple fact that I can't think of many faith-based movies that I would actually want to rewatch. And I wouldn't mind rewatching this movie because, as I said, I enjoyed Mark Wahlberg, I enjoyed Mel Gibson, and I enjoyed the chemistry that the actors had with each other. But most of all, I found the the story of Stuart Long uh, very fascinating and and hopeful too. And that might sound a little bit on the sentimental side or wishful thinking side of like, oh, you're just, you know, you just like it because it made you feel good. Uh, well, so what? Uh, not a lot of movies are able to get that to come across and just be a nice story about a person trying to do some good in this world. So imperfect as it might be, I'm glad the movie got made and Mark Wahlberg committed to it. Mel Gibson is a standout in movies. He's great. Always has been. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie, but it's not perfect. But <clears throat> now I want to talk about some of the the themes and, and messages uh, behind Father Stu and just give some context to it myself, give, some, give my own thoughts to it. Um, and I wanted to start on that by talking about the, the theme of, of finding your purpose, because that's something that is a, a driving force behind this movie is Mark Wahlberg uh, playing Stuart Long. Stu is trying to find what the hell he is supposed to do with his life. He does not know. As I said, he starts off as an amateur boxer, not necessarily the worst boxer in the world, but he's pushing age. You know, his prime is, is behind him. If it, if it, ha it's like, uh, what is it? The guy in Pulp Fiction, he's, when he's talking to Bruce Willis, um, uh, at the bar, he's saying, you know, if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. That's, uh, I don't think that's a good Ving Rhames impression. That's who I was thinking about, but it is like that. It would have happened for him, uh, before in his boxing career, he would have made it, but he just, you know, wasn't meant to be a professional boxer. So then he tries on a whim going to do acting, um, and, and that's one of those things that's not really well explained other than that I think he just thinks he'll be happy, I suppose, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but ultimately, he's trying to find his purpose. He's trying to figure out what he needs to do, and eventually God is his calling. He finds it through faith and is able to pursue um, his life's work through the Catholic Church. <clears throat> and good on you. Good on you for doing that, man. I think it did a lot of good for a lot of people. But it does make me wonder, just talking about finding your purpose, is does every... 
that's what I'm trying to say. It makes me ask, does everybody actually have a purpose? And is there such a thing as having a purpose? <clears throat> so ponder that for a moment here while I take a drink of kefir, strawberry kefir, not at all a sponsor of this podcast. It's just what I'm drinking right now. <clears throat> yeah, purpose. I don't know. I, I struggle with that one a little bit because life can be chaotic at times, to say the least. And a person, I think, is capable of doing a lot of things with their life. It's hard for me to say that a person can just boil down to one profession and that's what defines them. I don't think it does. <clears throat> Like to me, uh, the qualities of a person, uh, a person like what they do, person defines themselves like through their actions, how they treat other people, what they do for other people, uh, how they try to, I guess, help others, um, help others by helping themselves. Um, and I don't know. I mean, people have success through their through their work. They they have success through relationships. Some people place more emphasis on relational uh, relational. That's not even a, I don't think that's a word. Uh, they place success through people rather than money. Uh, or some people are the opposite. They place their success their their purpose in getting things, acquiring things. They think that that's what they that that that's what they should be doing, just growing their capital. Um, so people define purpose, uh, they define purpose in different ways is what I'm trying to say. And when I, th I guess when I go back to thinking of what a person's meant to do, uh, I think there's both. I think there's some people that from an early age, they're lucky enough to figure it out early, or they really just have a gut instinct. They feel it deep down that they instinctually want to pursue a specific thing and and ride that out through their life and see where it takes them and it's not to say that they are again just defined by that road they take with whatever path it is because that path leads them to other things they get to travel and experience different things but it's all through um that driving the driving center which is the profession that i'm talking about hypothetically so <clears throat> some people i think are able to find that from an early age and then I think there's others that they find it, but not through not through purpose uh, or not not intentionally. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Yeah, not intentionally anyway. It comes to them. Uh, they're more impulsive people, maybe that just don't plan ahead that much, and then eventually they find it just by happenstance. Um, <clears throat> or there's people that sadly I think go through their whole life never really knowing they I think a person can be in a job the same job for maybe 20 years and still have that question in the back of their head they're like am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing happens all the time uh, there's that quote I can't think of it the a lot of men live quiet lives of desperation though I wouldn't say that's just men I'm sure women do too um but anyways, I guess, I guess I'm asking more questions than I'm really providing answers on this one. So just think about it. Are you, like, do you have a purpose? Do you feel purpose in your day? Do you feel that what you're doing matters to uh, not just others around you, but to yourself? Like, you know, you're able to sleep at night doing what you do. I'm not trying to, like, make you second guess your career or where you're going in life. I just think it's an important question to ask yourself from time to time is, is knowing if you have purpose or feeling a sense of purpose. Because I guess that that almost is more important than anything else is maybe you won't ever know if you are doing what you're meant to do. It's sort of a faith thing, right? Uh, there's no real guarantee that that's what you're supposed to be doing. But you do hope that whatever it is you spend a majority of your time with, that it's something that will benefit others and, and benefit yourself on um, an emotional level on, uh, on a self-respect type of level. And I guess, I, you know, I lost, I lost where the point was that I was going with that, but just, yeah, just think about that. Just think about that finding purpose. Oh, you know what? <sighs> See, I, I was just about to move on and then it just came to me. So I guess I'm going to get this out there. 
The final thought on purpose is that I think it's more important to feel that you're on the right track with purpose as opposed to actually knowing if it, if it is correct what you're doing. Like if the, if what you're doing is your purpose, maybe that's not the important part. It's just knowing that you're, that you feel you're on the right path with it. Does that make sense? Maybe it makes sense. I don't know. Well, I'll keep going. Uh, so that's the thoughts on purpose. The, the next thing I was, I was thinking about after watching this movie was what you can learn from your failures in your life because Stu, Mark Wahlberg in this movie fails. I would say often he has a lot of, uh, things that you could define as failures. Again, I'm going to go to the career side cause he didn't make it as a boxer, didn't make it as an actor, Uh, though eventually makes it as a priest. So he failed a couple of times, if you want to say fail. And I say fail with like quotations. I'm holding up my finger quotes right now because some people would say, yeah, he didn't make it as that. But others would say, well, is it really a failure if it led him to what he's supposed to be doing? Or is it really a failure if he himself learned something from it that made him uh, a more respectful, graceful, wise human being. I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm at liberty to say if those things are considered failures or not. It's it's totally subjective. I mean, if something if someone's failing something, like if you fail a test, that's that's a failure. That's that's something that can be you can look at and be like, well, they got a 30%. They should have gotten at least a 60 just to pass. Uh, they failed. That's failure. Other things that happen in your life, well, uh, I don't know. Who am I to judge? Who am I to say it's failure? But it makes me think about it, learning from failure. I can say myself, uh, yeah, I've definitely learned from failure in my life, and it's been of benefit to myself to learn from failure, and I would not be who I am today without failing. So failing is inevitable. It will happen whether you want it to or not. I think what you have to look on or think about when you're thinking of failure is what I said before. What are you going to take away from the failure? Do you do any? Do you take away anything with a failure? Some failures, maybe there's not a lesson to be learned. You just have to live with having the feeling of it. But I think a lot of times if you fail, you can learn something from it and hopefully use it to grow as a person and I don't know, transcend from the failure and, and, and get yourself to a place of, su- of success, maybe. I don't know. Am I, am I talking out my ass with that? Like, what, is, what does that even mean? Like, transcend yourself. Transcend yourself from the failure. Don't think of failure as failure. Failure is not failure. It is, it is a word conjured by the imagination designed to make you be fearful. I, I don't know. That was meant to be my really bad uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, self-help person, like a self-help guru, a bad version of Tony Robbins. That's what that's, that's whatever that was. So I don't know. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a failure that I can say that I've learned from that I'm willing to admit on the podcast. Um, okay. I got one off the top, a personal failure of mine, I could say. So story time. Okay. So when I was, I want to say, 17, 17 or 18, I think. I can't say exactly. But when I was 17 or 18, I found out that a girl I knew through a friend uh, thought I was cute. Okay. This happens when you're younger. Apparently, people don't just like come up to you straightforward and just say, Hi, I think you're cute. Like, they know they like go, like, Hey, like, tell, tell, like, this person I think they're cute. And like, then, then that person will tell me. And then it'll just be a useless circle when it could have just been a, a, a useless, a useless mind game, a useless, uh, I can't think of what I'm trying to say. It's just be, you know, you could have been straightforward instead of talking through the friend. That's what I'm trying to say. But back to the story. So, I'm like 17 or 18, I find out this uh, person I know has, oh my gosh, this friend of mine, this friend of mine has a friend that thinks I'm cute. Jeez Louise, why was that so hard to say? All right, so, I find out this information, 
I'm like, wait, that person? Oh, no way. No way, because I think they're cute too. And this is this is great. I, I can't believe it. There's it just it didn't seem real to me. And at the time, I had very little to no experience with women, so really had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, you know, this is cool, great. Like, what happens now? <clears throat> a couple weeks later, this double date thing gets organized, where um, it's like a couple, a couple, and then me and this girl, and we all get together to go to like a restaurant and then a movie. I still remember the movie. We went to see Zombieland. Um, fun movie. The sequel, not so much, but the original is the good time. But <clears throat> I just remember I was extremely nervous for it because it was like my first... It's hard to even really call it a date because, you know, you're just like there to hang out in the same space, but you're not really like doing a date. So it's like it's... I don't know. And, and then when you put a bunch of pressure on yourself and you're young and stupid, you just... Yeah, just awkward times. Awkward years, those years, right? When you're like 17, it's just, ugh. So <clears throat> we get through that. I eventually, you know, work up some courage to be like, hey, like I, you know, I'd like to take you out sometime, that kind of thing. And and back then in my head, I had like this, this very, um, I don't, I don't know what the right wording for it is, but I had like this really built up idea, this big built up idea in my head that I had to like really court somebody, which maybe not may, may not be the worst idea in the world. I just, I was raised to be very gentlemanly towards women towards you know wanting to you know court someone it sounds so old-fashioned but like you know like you you go you call them you pick them up you you know dress up nice like uh you know don't kiss them on the first date you know, i mean you know what i mean like the, these types of things okay so i had all this pressure on myself and you know eventually this this date ended up happening i i picked her up it was a tuesday i remember that um, went to go see where the wild things are. The theater was dead. I tried to do one of those awkward, like, you know, yawn grab things where like you like raise your arms, you're like, and I stretch over to try to put my arm around you. And that, I mean, I don't think she was expecting it. And so I should have noticed like right then and there, she wasn't comfortable, but, uh, and I, I mean, I didn't know any better. So I was like, Oh, okay. Just, you know, keep going with it. And <clears throat> I won't go into the rest of the details for it, but it was just an uncomfortable first date. I, I put too much pressure on myself. I was way too nervous. Just didn't go great. Okay. Didn't go great. And, you know, cut to a few weeks later, I'm trying to see the person again. And I texted like way, way too much. I clean, kind of clingy texting, you know, like, Hey, how's it going? Oh no, I haven't had a response for 20 minutes. Oh, oh God. Oh, like stop really insecure, stupid, stupid shit. And, and then eventually I got, I think I got, yeah, I think I got told by like her older brother. She's like, you need to like leave her own alone. Like she doesn't want to talk to you. Like I'll like, I'll beat you up if you continue to talk about, if you continue to try to talk to her. And <clears throat> I, I felt horrible felt horrible about the whole thing. I was just like, gosh, like, I can't believe that, you know, my, my behavior, led to a person feeling like they couldn't just like say no to me. And, and again, like I, to be clear, I didn't do anything other than just like send excessive text because I was insecure, just wanting, you know, attention. Basically I didn't do anything. I, I swear I didn't do anything like trying to, you know, stalk or do anything bad like that. I was just being clingy. I was young, stupid. And and, but but I'm glad the whole thing happened because it really made me evaluate myself and how I talk to women and and thinking about like how I was placing more time and attention on the whole thing that I needed to and I, I was I was misguided in like what the whole reason for trying to talk to someone is you know it's like take the pressure off just get to know them like relax just you know be yourself don't don't try to you know, be so perfect all the time. There was a bunch of different lessons I took away from that failure and I'll never forget it. I really never will. Uh, and I'm, I can happily say now, you know, I'm married, I have a wonderful wife and, and it's great now, but I, I definitely, I definitely learned a lot from that first failure in, in, uh, in an, in a relationship attempt, uh, for, for myself. And, uh, it, I don't know if I would have you know, I, I don't know if I would have uh, eventually learned what I know now 
about just being more comfortable with who you are and and in the dating world and everything like that. I I got some of those lessons from that really terrible first attempt at at trying to impress a girl. So um, yeah, it's it's a little embarrassing admitting that kind of stuff. Uh, openly, but I think it's good to talk about. It's good to talk about where your shortcomings are in your past and what you took away from it. So um, the experience wasn't great, but sure glad it happened. And uh, yeah, I you know that's that that's all that's all I got to say about that, Lieutenant Diane. Oh, that was just a random Forrest Gump reference. But on with the show. Learning from failure. I could ask you the question as well. Do you have any failures? Do you have any failures that you look back on? And you're like, what the hell was I thinking with that? I don't know. You you let me know or if you can. You can email the podcast. That almost sounds uh, sounds a little bit depressing, right? Hi, this is Screen Speak. Um, I, I've failed an awful lot, and I, I would just like it if the community out there sent me their failures, because I just want to be in a fail world with everybody. I just want to read about failure, man. Uh, okay, it's just screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, fail. That was the vibe that I was getting. <laughs> That's so stupid. That was the vibe I was getting. I, I don't know why. But anyway... It's it's important to talk about, and I and I'm glad going back to Father Stu that that this person was able to really find find himself through through failure, and actually this leads really excellently into the next uh, subject that I had on here, which is spirituality that's gained through suffering. It's a big topic in this movie. Um, it's in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler. Uh, he has a really near-fatal motorcycle accident that almost kills him, and then eventually <clears throat> he um, comes down with a rare muscle deform uh, a muscle deterioration disease. I can't remember it. Let me let me actually look this up. Father Stu disease. That, I don't think I spelled disease right. Uh, what uh, what disorder? Inclusion. Body myositis. I don't know. It's a degenerative, a degenerative. It's a Oh my gosh! Why is that so hard to say? It's a degenerative muscle disease that renders a person disabled, like in their muscles, like they have hard time moving and things like that. I sounds kind of similar to ALS. It's a rare muscle disease with symptoms that are similar to Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. Yes, I actually believe they say that in the movie at one point. But the point is, he goes through an awful lot of physical suffering and, and then eventual spiritual suffering because he's trying to eventually become a priest. That's what he really feels his purpose is with. But he's having all these afflictions physically. He has messed up. Uh, history with his father that seems like a hard, uh, hard man to be. He's uh, he's a drunk, played by Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson played that role really well, uh, just just for the record. But <clears throat> going back to spirituality through suffering, uh, his character says he has a couple of uh, sermons that he delivers where he's like, "Yeah, like life beat the shit out of me," and. You know, he had periods where sort of similar to Jesus, where he's talking about like, God, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I'm, I do not deserve this. Like, I am trying to do good in my life. I'm trying to help others. And, and you just continue to beat me through all this pain and suffering. It's like a, a person can hardly endure all this, right? He has a lot of those questions, but I, I found myself struck by the part in the movie where he was talking about how, he got himself feeling closer to God the more he suffered because it reminded him of of what Jesus was having to go through and and his existential crisis that he was having and questioning, you know, if if his dad, you know, if God knew what the hell he was doing up there, um, you know, because he eventually knew that he was going to be, you know, killed and, you know, 
slowly killed for uh, what he was dealing with the disciples and, and everything like that. But he chose to, you know, trust trust the Lord, trust the faith and, and all of that. And eventually, I mean, I don't, I'm not here to recite the Bible to everybody out there, but I think most people get the, the general gist of it. But I found that I found that affecting when he was saying that his suffering made him feel like he was closer to God. I I don't know if I can say I well I, it's not that I don't know. I know I can't say I've suffered to the extent that that Father Stu suffered in this movie and and, and in his life. Nowhere near that close. I mean, I I've had my setbacks for sure. I I have IBS. Like that's that's something I deal with. IBS-C. Shout out to all those IBS people out there that are listening. You're not alone. It sucks. Stomach cramps for days, and you have to watch what you eat, and it's a constant uh, feeling of discomfort that uh, that occurs with it. But uh, there's things you can do through it. Uh, healthy diet, exercise, That I'm not here to talk about that. I'm just saying suffering happens even with myself. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, going back to the suffering of it, it's just... It's a good way to look at it, knowing that your your suffering can lead you to a higher purpose, and that there are ways for you to still make a full life, even though you're being um, weighed down by whether it's physical suffering, emotional suffering, a lot of different kinds of suffering, but suffering nonetheless. It is still possible to. Uh, make meaning of it all and and do something that will still help people uh, with it. So I really like that Stu recognized that in himself and was able to channel that through being a priest. Um, so I really I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that for sure. Um, <clears throat> but I, w- I want to go back to talking about one particular thing that he uh, you know had suffering with was this motorcycle accident, which in the movie. Brutal, just absolutely brutal when it happens. He like, you know, he clips a car and flies off. He can just really hear his body just smash against that concrete, and and it like it's very visceral and raw when that moment happens. I thought it was well done, but he has a, I guess you could call it a near death experience because he has a experience at least how it's depicted in the movie. I don't know if this actually was a liberty they took, a creative liberty, or if he testified to this at some point. But as he was lying there in the street after this accident happened, he gets confronted by, I think it's supposed to be St. Mary. I am not a devout Catholic myself, but I I think that's who it's supposed to be. And he, that's, that's when he gets like the first like, touch from God, if you will, that he is supposed to do more with his life, that he can eventually help people through the priesthood. And it got me wondering and uh, just made me want to talk about near-death experiences. Uh, Wild, wild stuff out there. I I don't know if any of you have ever taken it upon yourselves to go and watch like any documentaries about near-death experiences or read any articles about it or read a book about it, but I find that subject extremely fascinating. Uh, just so many different experiences that people have, whether it's the out-of-body experience where you read or hear about those stories where someone's like on a surgery table and like they they're clinically dead for like ten seconds or something, and they say that they have like they've had this way to like see their spirit or their soul like float out of their body and like they're watching the whole thing happen and then they return to it or people that see the bright light uh, or people that claim that they've actually seen heaven or maybe not heaven. There's just all these um, very fascinating things that people have experienced that they're able to, to share with others. And I, I just find I find stories like that very, very fascinating. And <clears throat> I guess ultimately when I when I look at those different stories and whatnot, I am mostly fascinated with them when they start touching on the the spiritual side, I guess, talking about the the next plane, the next plane of reality, heaven or hell or purgatory or 
paradise or, or whatever it is that that you believe or that a person uh, thinks that they're that they're traveling to um, that's where I find a lot of the curiosity and and fascination with it comes is hearing people's experience with that and I mean like anything else there's gonna be people that interpret that as quite literal like proof of uh, proof of heaven or proof of a higher power proof of something more other people will just say well they're under a lot of me- you know medication and narcotics who the hell knows what they were th- you know seeing it, it could have been anything um i don't know i i don't i don't know i don't know any of this stuff i don't i who am i to 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 give real expert insights on on near death if i was talking to a near death experience expert or had a person that went through it uh, i would certainly ask them more questions about it and maybe be a little more critical but if it's just myself i i guess my opinion is is that i i definitely believe in heaven and hell and the whole thing i i I do think it's there and i've i think i've seen and read enough different people throughout life that have had these experiences to to justify at least for myself that yeah like everybody might be defining it a little bit differently but I don't think these types of experiences would happen to as many people as they have had happen to them and they in turn would be able to share those stories and have an impact people the way it did I I'm not articulating this part well but The details that they share just seem very, it would seem very elaborate or it's like, what, what good would it do somebody to make up all that stuff? Like if they were just making it up or exaggerating it and and maybe some are, I don't know, but I, I think there's something to those stories. And I think some people have had some pretty profound things happen to them in those capacity is like I said if it's a they died on the hospital bed table died from a heart attack for a minute you just died for a minute and got brought back uh, I it's like how can you really speak to that unless that's happened to you right I I don't know how I could really really relate to that or be able to understand it it's such a unique thing to happen to somebody but it's fascinating nonetheless i would i would be curious if anyone in my listening audience happens to know somebody that's had a near-death experience that would be be very i'd be very very curious to hear um what stories are out there that i don't know about or or listen to people that have had it happen to them because that's that's just a subject i could go on a long rabbit hole down for sure i don't know anyone myself um that's had that happen to them thank goodness I guess, but, uh, yeah, just something to think about. Okay. Uh, I got a couple more things I wanted to talk about in relation to father stew. So this is another, uh, spiritual thing that I wanted to expand my thoughts on a little bit is being open with your faith. Now, I don't think this movie is necessarily going out of its way to, you know, put a message out there that, yeah, you gotta, you know, talk about your faith. You gotta talk about God, talk about what the Lord does for you and and share it and and shout it and all that. I I don't think they're doing that, but I have always wondered, um, you know, if it's right or wrong to talk about God, not talk about God, basically, because, And I'm sure many people can relate to this or understand this. You've probably been around someone before where you hear them say, okay, just whatever you do, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Just uh, don't do it. Don't do it unless you want trouble. Uh, Whether it's at like a family gathering, holiday dinner, at a workplace, things like that. Religion, just as a subject, seems to be, well, a sensitive one, I guess. And, and sometimes I think rightfully so. I mean, there, there's people that dedicate their lives to religion and they see a, a real, um, you know, they see real divine purpose in the whole thing and they take the subject very seriously. They don't like jokes about it. They don't like people to condescend about it or to, um, 
judge them for it. They, they think it's a beautiful thing or what, whatever your opinion is on, on faith or religion. I mean, that's, that's totally yours. I, that's, that's fine. Um, but I have found at least in today's day and age that I, I just don't see many people outside of someone that works in the religious community, just being able to be pretty open and transparent about like, hi, like, you know, my name, my name's Dave. And, uh, yeah, I'm Catholic. I go to mass. Uh, you know, you know, where do you go? Like, what do you do? I don't really see people talk about that. And sometimes I think that's sad, honestly, uh, just because I, I mean, religion, it's, I, I get why it's a sensitive subject to some people, but I don't mind being open and talking about it with people. But to be clear, like if I talk about it, it's never in the, like the vein of like, I'm doing it because I'm trying to follow a, a message in a Bible and trying to share the, like the gospel and convert people. Because I think that's often where, um, some of that hesitation can come from because there's people that talk about it for the sole reason of just, I want to recruit people for the church. I want to get more volunteers. I want to get more, more money raised for the church. That's the pure, uh, that, that, not the pure, that's, that's the only reason I'm talking to you today. Like I, I'm just trying to convert and you know, religion is something that I find most people don't want shoved down their throats and they don't want to be told what to believe. They want to come to it themselves. And I got respect for, I got respect for that. You know, I mean, when I, when I talk about it, if I ever do talk about it with people, it, it certainly is not in any way, shape or form trying to force somebody to an ideology. It's certainly not that. If I talk about it, it's just because I feel like it and Maybe I choose to talk about it with somebody that has, um, that also has an interest in faith or just likes to talk about it from, from time to time because they find the subject fascinating. It's just one that they can expand on and, and talk about in depth and, 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 and be respectful of the other person too, especially if they don't believe. So just back to the subject of being open with faith, sometimes I just think it shouldn't be looked upon as a subject that needs to be so like hush hush. I think there is a way that you can still talk about faith if you have it, or just as importantly, if you don't have faith, you can talk about that too. And you should be able, I feel like to, to bring it up from time to time, depending on the context and, and not have it feel so like, Oh, I can't believe that that person brought up religion today. Oh my gosh. Like, it's, you know, it's just words that maybe that's, that's not right. It's, it's not just words. Cause if I'm just saying that, then someone's just going to tell me, Oh, what are you saying, Jordan? Like that, the, that the Bible's just words. Like, no, I, I get it. I'm not trying to discount that, but I don't know. A lot of people get offended very easily these days. Um, even with the subject of religion. And I just feel like if you're in a, a good setting, and the person that you're choosing to have the discussion with can handle it and they're not going to run away from you and you can just have a civil conversation and just learn from one another about the subject of religion or faith, then I say, why not? Like, what do you got to lose? You can hear another person's perspective on it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to disagree with it, but you can just simply listen to it. And that alone right there is enough for a lot of people. Just having someone to hear them, just ha feeling heard, feeling that you were also not only heard, but respected when you were being heard. I think that's important when you talk about religion with people. And if more people try to think about it in that way, I certainly think the subject wouldn't feel so taboo uh, or, you know, we can't talk about that around people. It's like, if you want people to be comfortable or accepting of religion, you got to learn how to how to talk about it, um, in, in settings where it's a not, no, you just have to learn how to talk about it with respect and, and, and grace and, and being able to, to hear another person's opinion now, especially if it's not what you believe either. Cause I, I don't understand that the people that are like, I can't believe you believe this or can't believe you believe that. Uh, it, it, it gets talked about in faith, but there's a lot of 
things out there in the universe that are above our heads, right? It's what they call having faith. And if somebody doesn't believe in, you know, what I believe, I'm not judge, jury, and executioner. I'm not, I'm not the higher power here, right? Like, I, I, I may not agree with it. Hell, I may not even like it, but I can sure still sit and hear it because at the end of the day, the, that other person that's sitting across from you is a human being. So just, I don't know, think about that. Did I say any, any nuggets? Is, is there any nuggets of wisdom in there? Is there any truth in any of that? Is it just ramblings that I'm doing for the sake of talking about Father Stu? I'll let you be the judge of that. I don't know. I just won the, I wanted to talk about that. So there, that's, that's my thoughts. Okay. Some final thoughts here. Um, I think I talked about everything that I wanted to say with Father Stu and talked about the performances. I think I talked a little bit about the story, some of the writing, some of my own thoughts uh, towards the subject of religion, finding your purpose, all those kinds of things. So I said what I wanted to say about it. Um, if you, if you got some time, I would say you could check out the movie. Uh, if you want to see it in theaters, I think that would be fine. But I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think you have to rush out to go see this movie. But I would recommend checking it out at some point. Because the this Stuart Long guy, he, he lived a fascinating life. He helped out a lot of people and did a lot of good, I think, in this world. So I think it's worth celebrating. And I'm glad that that uh, uh, an actor like Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, I'm glad that these people could get together and make a story like this because you just don't, frankly, see a lot of movies dealing with this kind of subject matter on a way, in a way that is not so cringy or sanitized, neutered down. It, it feels more authentic and, and real to life, uh, true to life. And it's imperfect, but I, I appreciate the movie for what it is. And I appreciated uh, getting to getting to see what mon- one man's life did for uh, a lot of people out there. So for that, uh, thanks, Mark Wahlberg. And thank you to the cast and crew of Father Stu for bringing this guy's story to life. I, I love a good true story when it is able to help some people out. So there you go. Positive. Ending on a positive note. All right. That's all I got for y'all, uh, y'all today. I don't know why I'm talking about that, uh, talking like that. Am I uh, was trying to do an Aussie accent for a second, or trying to trying to be a preacher? I'm, I don't even know the accents. The accents going in and out of places. Okay, the voice almost broke there. You probably think that was either an error in computer programming, or he just ran out of steam on this episode. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both. We will see. But. That's all I got for today's episode. Hope everybody out there has a happy Easter. Spend some time with your family and friends. Do whatever it is you want to do. You want to eat some chocolate. You want to go to church. You do as you please. Uh, But as long as you're happy at the end of the day, I think that's what matters. So be happy while listening to the end of this podcast. And I will check. I I was going to say, I'll I'll catch you later. Catch you later, man. Can anyone tell me what movie that's from? Chicky leader, chicky leader. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll catch you all in the next episode, everyone. Till next time, I'm Jordan Anderson. Take care. Bye-bye.